podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Welcome to Fatigue Index. With me this week I have... um... Uh, the the great and known Tom Tom Little from uh, Tom. Where are you? Where are you? Sheffield United head of performance at Sheffield United and in the mighty Glossop. That's where I reside. So we only have experts on here. You're you're aware, and and you might not know yourself, but I I like to get like uh, people in football or in specific sports science fields to talk to Mildred down the street like this is not this is not sports scientist to sports scientist at all this is sports scientist to football fan so um, Mildred she's well done <laughs> we'll be alright Glossop all the Mildreds live in Glossop <laughs> nice um, so your tell me a quick background I don't care about the, the major stuff but but just you know a, a, a snippet of your career because just to set the, the tone for everybody here in sports science, we are old, and and pretty much there's like five, six, seven of us that are this old that are still going, um, and it's been a long time. Um, and so to be this old and still get paid to wear shorts and collect cones is a remarkable job. So uh, you so well done, and you've just got you just got a new job. So tell us about your new gig. Well, I'm very good at picking up cones, I must admit. I've definitely got a PhD in that. But yeah, I think we've just got rhino skin, haven't we, mate? We've been chewed up for 20-odd years, but managed to come out the other side of it. But we we love what we do, and I think that's the main thing uh, that, that drives us on and continue to do it. So I consider myself super fortunate, but like very, very short version of it. Did sports science at university, didn't know what I want to do. Lucky enough to find that like uh, kind of fitness coaches, sports science as a profession was at its absolute infancy then. I managed to stumble into a job uh, working in professional football and then just continued to do that, picked up some more professional qualifications along the way. And so I've been kicking about in the championship, mainly flirted with the Prem now and again. Um, but in the midst of that, started my own nutritional app that was called ColourFit, and that rebranded to Hero Pro. So I'm the founder and director of that, uh, and just written my debut book as well, The ColourFit Method. So yeah, uh, try to be an odd job, Rod, just waiting for that next P45 to come so we can fall back onto something. But yeah, I'm currently head of performance at Sheffield United, as I mentioned, and again, just falling on my feet there. Incredible department. The guys that work within the performance team, Nathan Winder, Lee McMahon, Rob Rayner, uh, Lee Rickards, just what a bunch of uh, performance team I've got there. So incredibly lucky and a great big club to get my teeth into, get my mojo really going again and hopefully have a massive push this season trying to get to the Premier League. 
Love it, love it, love it. So this is a couple of things I wanted to quickly cover in that stuff. We're going to come back to the book thing because it's your nutrition stuff I really want to talk about. But uh, in there, you just banged out a bunch of names, which will mean very little to most of the people listening to this. But but are, is that the oldest team? Like, is that the oldest backroom staff in the league? Because you've got actual staff that have got that have had actual jobs before that have probably got families, and that's not common in 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 football, is it? It's not that common. I mean, two of them, the lucky buggers, don't have to come to away games and travel. So uh, that makes it definitely easier to have families and stay in the game. So, uh, But no, they've all at some point been generalists themselves. So that they have a specialisation within our performance team, whether that's the sports science data, the S&C, the late rehab and our nutrition. But they're all brilliant generalists. So, so what I'm finding there is... It's just I don't have to be in there as kind of a dictatorship to have the authority to drive everything and come up with ideas and direction. It's a genuine democracy there and we can all just bounce ideas off each other. We have our weekly meetings and obviously we're together as a performance team all the time, so that's always ongoing. But the, honestly, mate, the, the amount of ideas coming from every angle and they all have an appreciation for how the other department works and the, and the greatest fear of football performance that's what we're all there for because you can get caught up in your own little pushing your own little niches a little bit it, it it's brilliant and so refreshing and like i say it's part of the reason i'm so energized to like wow this is elite this is high performance and we're going to smash it very very cool um so for the masses we've had we've had a couple of uh of performance uh, ahead of performance on before but um in in can you can you say in five sentences what your job does? Um, trying to prove. Oh God, Remember, we're talking to Mil- we're talking to Mildred here. What does what does a high? Perf- how do you explain your job to your in laws? To oversee loading is a, a really important point in the week. So at the times when we can um, push them, push them. The times when we need to recover make them recover, but do that in a very scientific and optimal way. That Dude, that's perfect. For the fatigue index, we talk sentence. about this all the time. I talk about <laughs> fatigue, I talk about this all the time on this pod when I don't have guests on. That's exactly what this is about. So this is perfect for that. What so so you're doing you're doing uh, training and, and playing load management. What else? What else do you do as a head of performance? Directing the whole team, so having that clarity and alignment and the who, what, when, hows of everything that's going to take part. And what, having... what roles? What roles are in your team? As I mentioned before, so we've got sports science within the team, so sports science data, but he also helps out on the field hugely. So that's Rob Rayner. He's terrific. Nathan is our S&C guy, so he's in the gym. So obviously the group gym training that we do, the strength, the power, the prehab training that we do beforehand. Uh, but he also does loads of work with the injured players. And then we've got Lee McMahon, who's taking the late rehab. So specialising in that bridge between the medical, taking them through more into the performance realm and making sure they're ticking all the boxes so they can hit training, that multifaceted football-based athletes that's robust and, and has gone through all the conditioning and got the, their loading up to the level that the, they're kind of used to and will have to come into with the team. So a real kind of box-ticking exercise with their 
So going back to kind of what we're saying, it, it's just like the overall vision of it's, it's difficult, really. You, you've got to be present all the time to walk the shop floor and make sure everything's kind of happening as you want and be that present so everyone could see you. But you also got to be absent at the same time so you can lift yourself above everything and see the overall picture of how things are fitting together. Um, and that is incredibly difficult to do. I've not had a role where there's that much of the oversight that's required because you have already got enough people down there in that. But like I say, at the same time, I want to be a presence in absolutely everything that we do. So I'm across the kind of, obviously all the meeting stuff, all the field stuff, but I'm there for prehab, I'm there for training, there for the strength training, trying to be in the analysis, just making sure I'm so everything is super aligned with the the wants and language and needs of the football manager and coaches. And that's what I'm talking about when it's that alignment, that clarity of the direction that we're getting in. What are our easy wins that we try to tackle now? And what are our long-term priorities? And let's focus in on them. Because you know, working in football, there's a million and one things that you could be working on, but you can't do all those things well. So what are our priorities and make sure they're absolutely getting nailed, like I said, the who, what's, when's, make sure everybody's accountable, have the regular meetings, make sure it's kind of objective as much as possible. Are we attaining that? If not, why not? Are we going for the right thing if it's unattainable? So on and so forth. I've gone away from five sentences there, mate. I apologise. <laughs> I, dude, I, lo- I love this. So basically, you could have been, this is, this is people might have picked up this from listening listening over the years but this is a new evolution in football and this you could have been talking about a multitude of industry it was just modern business that's that's what you're talking about modern business management and and that is very very new in football and probably how many clubs do you reckon in across the the um the pyramid have a fully integrated top down um performance management department of of all of these like facets, medical, nutrition, S&C, rehab, um, physio, all of that stuff together that need managing and integrating. Like it's talked about by the public that they would expect that to, to be in all clubs because that's just, that makes sense. But it's not, is it? It's new. It is new. Um, but I think in the Premier League, the emergence of the EPPP that almost demanded you have these multifaceted teams, it, it is becoming more and more common in there. But the crop up under certain names, so obviously head of performance is is quite a common one now. But the emergence of the sporting director, they might be the guys that are in there and to provide in that clarity, that continuation of the club's ethos and aims and and their long-term objectives. But the sporting director tends to align themselves more along with recruitment and analysis and the management and purchase and uh, cycling of players. I think so that's more business and, like I said, the recruitment of players um, and the business structure overall. So maybe overlaying away from what you'd call the performance and coaching team where the head of performance is trying to come in and it's been almost like a general manager it's viewed as as and quite a lot and in australia and america it's very common they sit 
alongside the manager, which we still find incredibly uh, unusual. And I, I, I must admit, I think it's it's not right as well because we're not the manager. The manager is the guy that is next to God. Everything emanates from him and we are there to support him. If you just see yourself as as is important and you're for, you're influencing performance as much as him, I think uh, you're living in a bit of a dream world. So it's a bit of a re- I, I, reality I get, in there. But, I get what yeah, you're saying. Going, but... And what you said about like management, you read all the best leadership books now, like Eddie Jones's leadership book is phenomenal. Your Wenger's Invincibles, whatever it may be. They, they know about this uh, kind of, cross-references of great businesses and all the great business leadership books now refer to sport all the time there are so many commonalities in terms of leading uh, that we can learn from each other um so that's why that language coming in it is super important and and still you until you start living in that world that i'm in now you don't really appreciate how important that stuff is it's very long term. It's almost untangible a little bit, but it's absolutely critical. Dude, I love it. And we could re- genuinely do a whole other part about that thing because I think it, it opens a whole uh, doorway to, to the public that they don't understand and, and, and isn't in public the public domain or pu- public conscious. But um, that would be awesome. But for this, I wanted to talk about your new book and nutrition and um, giving tools to the Mildred and, but mainly to Mildred's grandkids and those that play grassroots football or um, have daughters that do gymnastics or that kind of stuff that, that um, you've got kids, I've got kids. What do we feed them? And um, what do we feed ourselves? We hear, we, it's so, it's so easy to, to, um, to read about diets. We've got Instagram for God's sake. So I'm an expert on everything. I know all about the, uh, the, um, Atkins diet, whatever carnivore diet, give me more, give, give me more South beach, whoever, whatever. Um, all of those things you get to be experts and all that stuff, but a balanced diet with understanding and knowing the right quantities and mix and and uh, varieties of foods to add in, that's not so easy. Like I, I don't have a degree in nutrition, but um, I, I think there are resources available that that might give me very simple um, information, feedback information, so I can make make better choices. So um, I, I have a couple of these. Uh, uh, I should have had them present here, but it's not by video that I bought myself. So tell me, tell me more about your book. How did you get to that point? And then tell me, tell me about the stuffs in it that might be good for, for Mildred's grandkids. This ain't on video. I've gelled my hair and everything. Yeah. Like <laughs> this goes on YouTube, but no one listens to this on YouTube. This. this is podcast all the way. But yeah, you've talked about some of the problems I've encountered there, obviously. Oh, we have specialist nutritionists in there, but along my journey, I was in charge of nutrition for so long and just found it an incredibly difficult area to get the lads to change their behavior. So it was a lot of theory talking to them. So like posters, lectures, little videos, whatever it may be, but actually seeing a change in the players, it you just... I wasn't having very much sex success with it anyway. So, like, 
so frustrated with it, given all the resources I've put in and the safe uh, frustration is the mother all of, of invention. And that turned out to be the case because if I hadn't invented this, I'd have definitely strangled some of my players and been chasing them around the room. So it's that approach of problem solving, what's going on. And, and I focused on athletes, but everybody has the same problems. Trying to make choosing the right meal super simple. So what is appropriate for whatever goal that you're trying to achieve? And goals can change. Over time, they can change from day to day. They can change through the day. So it has to be kind of adjustable, your system. It can't just be a nice, rigid system. But then the biggest thing is then how do you give them the confidence and know-how to carry out those decisions that they've made? And that was a big stumbling block. I just couldn't get over changing that behavior. So the first thing was like, how do we get them to choose the right meals, really simple, almost intuitively. So it came about like watching my lad on my phone and he's, he's on my iPhone and he just knows what to do instinctively because of the way it's been created. So I'm like, can I come up with a system that is just almost pure uh, instinct on driving the decision, what's the correct type of meal to have? So we, we started to break down meals into these concepts and we thought we could relate them to what the goals of nutrition are for most people. That might make it super simple. So for most people, they want to either improve the health, they want to improve the body shape, or they want to improve the performance. And performance was obviously more of a big thing when you're coming into elite sport. But there's loads of weekend warriors and people want to fuel going to the gym, playing at the weekend, whatever it may be. So we, we looked at meals and can we divide it into those things? And we decided to a large extent we could with, for performance. We put... Uh, carbohydrates against them because they're our most efficient fuel and fastest fuel source. So if we're relying on carbohydrates for performance, we're potentially a bit faster and more economical. So you're saying, so you're saying you can eat carbohydrates? You can. I know it's uh, carbs are the enemy and no carbs before marbs. You wouldn't believe how much that actually exists within pro sport and things that you talked about there before you kind of internet gurus that are just like pts with no formal qualification certainly no scientific backing within them they're a big voice within the social media industry but and there's things can relate into there that it's a big rabbit hole i could go down down about certain carbohydrates uh, we do have too much of in the western diet but they're not whole food carbohydrates they're refined carbohydrates that are coming through modern food pressing that tend to be refined grains that taken the fiber out and high in sugar as well but like i said that's a rabbit hole let's pull that to one side at the moment so we thought the other thing was changing body shape so we thought protein's a good one for that because it has the lowest net calories once you digest it um it boosts your metabolism a little bit it, it makes us feel fullest for the longest so it had something called a high satiety so that's how quickly it makes us feel full and for long and of course if we want to get big bit bigger put on muscle protein super important there as well then we had health health was a bit more complicated but we came up with a system where we analyzed all the kind of rdas for all your important nutritional elements for health so vitamins minerals good fats fiber and the like and we put that into a little score so that was really um objective data and then what we did we give them all colors we give them icons we give them names all related to those goals so just looking at something, it was dead simple to see whether that meal was 
appropriate for you as well. We invented something, we simplified calories as well, because that's important for our goal, something called the calorie gauge. So it's very visual this, but you had like this pie chart that looked like a plate that represented how much you could achieve each goal. And then round the outside, you had your calorie low gauge. And then that all together looked like a plate. So we called that the Colour Fit Plate. And it worked to treat my six-year-old son at the time. He knew which meals were going to make him healthy, which meals were going to make him run it. So I thought, right, I've got a chance with some of these uh, not-too-intelligent footballs, footballers, not-too-intelligent <laughs> in that bracket, but some of them are sharp as marble. I have, I have talked so, about this many times. You're not, you're not revealing any secrets. Yeah, but uh, so there was that. But So we helped them choose meals and we built a huge library of dead simple meals that we that had to have a health or performance perspective in there. Not too many ingredients, nothing too intimidating. And that was working, but I still wasn't there. And then I thought, right, how can we eat with our eyes? How can I give them that just confidence that they can do it when they're at home, when they're anywhere? I was like, right, well, let's make little videos for each one. Um, and we did that. No ma- massive production. It was just me and my poor wife at home. She was filming me. And over time, we started to add videos to every single one of our meals. And there's over 400 meals on there now. Um, and that was the one. That was like, wow. All of a sudden, guys that were kind of resistant to it, they were talking about what they were making the night before over breakfast and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I've, I've cracked it here a little bit. So we built up this kind of system just on a cloud drive. It was Google Drive at the moment. And anybody out there can do that. You can make meals and you can associate videos with them. So you don't, you can make your own. You don't need these expensive apps like the likes of me or Wilding. You can start to generate your own so you can help out anybody out there. But we did that. Uh, I've reached out to quite a lot of clubs, people like yourself. The uptake was really good, but I just knew it needed to be better. It had to have all these bells and whistles that an app needs. So I was, it was just me on my own. So I joined with this wellbeing company. They've rebranded it into something called Hero Pro, and that's done really well in pro sport. And it just added a few more bells and whistles. So we've got a huge education section in there, something called Meal Builders that tried to teach you to make your own loads of video. Uh, videos about all things like supplements and healthy snacks, whatever it may be, all very practical matters all the time, though. You can order all your ingredients off there. You can like and have them delivered to your door. You can order meal prep. It's got its own food diary on there as well, like my fitness pal. But it allows a coach to jump on there and plan you a meal out as well or review what you've been doing. So it's super interactive in terms of education on there as well. So, yeah, that's kind of got all – we've ticked off all the barriers of what so can you get basi- the you basically lived through through all of the ex- all of the excuses that 20-year-old footballers might have given you for failing or for, for not eating that meal, for having the burger – for end up end up ending up at McDonald's instead of making that meal that you made a video and gave them ingredients for, you removed all of those excuses for them and then put it into a book and an app. It was literally that, literally that, and like I say, a book 
might not have some of those features I talked about, but we put QR codes in the book. So there's a video demonstration for every single meal in there. So there's over 120 meals in there. There's video demonstrations for all your circuits or your exercises in there again. So it's driving behavior. It's our practicality. It's our confidence in there. And like I say, hopefully helping somebody that might be a novice to start off their journey. Because confidence is key with anything. I'm not a good person in the cook, in the kitchen. Sorry. So uh, I, I understood that journey of uh, it. It can be a bit terrifying to start off with, and so can exercise as well. But anyone can achieve their goals. And, and as you find out through your career, I'm sure that competence drives confidence. So if you set simple goals that you can, simple tasks that you can learn. That's where your confidence comes. Uh, confidence comes from. Um, so, giving a video to copy this this small, simple recipe, then they can gradually the players or Mildred's grandkids can can build up confidence in the kitchen of, around cooking, preparing their own meals, and then seeing what goes what goes well together to make to output the desired goal that they're after: change of body shape, or um, better fitness levels, or higher performance, or cognitive stuff. Yeah, you summed right? up perfectly there, mate. And you've been through the journey. You've been through that problem solving with what you did with uh, your strength lab and your yeah, heroes yeah. training. You took the problems in there. You made it so simple. You made it colourful. You made it engaging, obviously, with the, the link to all the, the heroes with the kids. And it's so practical. The steps in there are incredibly easy to do. They're engaging. There's videos in there. You've nailed it for a journey yourself. And you know it's that kind of problem-solving journey of, of tweaking it as you're going along. So, uh, yeah, you've experienced and get it and summed it up perfectly there, bud. Brilliant, dude. Like lots of giving, giving expanding a toolbox. That's what, that's what I'm about. Like whether it's movement in five-year-olds or from like this, it's, it's expanding the, the toolbox of knowledge of, of, of what food is good or bad. Because we hear what's good or bad all the time. And it really, it, from my experience, it just depends on which, uh, which of the seven massive conglomerates in the world is investing in which food at the time. Is, is, that's all it's about. It's got no relation, very, it's very often got no relation to the truth. So, so your, your book just gives, just cuts through the BS and gives you actual facts about, uh, which food is actually good for you and, and and the reasons why. Yeah. And it's, I've not invented any new concept in here in terms of scientific knowledge. Obviously both of us has come from a real scientific background. And so we hugely value peer reviewed evidence and the likes um so it's getting that kind of message and simplifying it down so it's something that that you can live by and use so all the what we talk about is all been proved by multiple studies whether it's etological studies looking at worldwide populations of who's got the healthiest kind of diet like your mediterranean diet your dash diets and the like whether it's kind of right to the other end of the uh, kind of peer-reviewed double-blind uh, studies of showing it and they all show the kind of right evidence that carbohydrates certainly aren't bad but it's great to periodize them based on how active you are so quite simply if you're very active or some important performance is coming up take on a, a bit more carbohydrates but when you're not reduce them a little bit so you can have more foods in there they're going to promote you being healthy and promote you being lean as well 
And by doing that, you can have that perfect paradigm of you're, you're nice and lean, if that's a priority for you. Your health, which will be the number one, and nutrition plays such an important, integral role with that. And then if you want to perform, you can perform to your maximum whenever you want. And obviously, that's a bit more of a key element when you're coming up to elite performance, particularly in sports like football and rugby and, and want that can have to perform multiple times a week. They have to adjust their diet all the time. So simplifying that message and making sure it's not just like when I'm coming up to performance, I'm relying on kind of sugary bars and drinks and refined cereals and the likes that are, do have carbohydrates, but they're not carbohydrates that are healthy for us. We want to focus on our whole food type of carbohydrates that we're going to get from things like oats, from whole grains, from starchy vegetables and all vegetables from fruits. They're the type of things that we, we want to be including in the diet. And that is Nutrition is 101 is if you can eat as much whole food as possible. So if it can be grown or caught, you're going to be on the way to a pretty good diet in the main. And the reason yeah. it, that nutrition is so confusing is it's everybody eats. Everybody's got to eat multiple times a day unless you're following some pretty strict fa fasting rule. So there's so much interest and money to be made in that industry. That if you just turn up and say the same boring message that is pretty much eat a, dip, a high proportion of vegetables, uh, salads, and a bit of fruit, have good quality protein sources, it's not very sexy and it's not going to catch somebody's attention. If you come in and say eat a carnivore diet, eat an animal from tip to toe and chew on its testicles and things like that and then look at my muscles because what I'm doing in there, forget about my internal organ health and the likes, uh, it, it, it sells in there. So it can be fused and, it, and it's tribal. People are so bloody passionate and kind of will almost ignore science and facts because they're vegan against the carnivore jesus yeah. oh, put man. them in a room and it, watch it's them go unbelievable and the, the low carb movement and, and things like that and there are there are problems with certain type of carbohydrates but healthy carbohydrates are absolutely essential part of anybody's diet because that's our main element of where we we're getting lots of um, fiber from lots of minerals from lots of uh, b vitamins and the like from and, and fiber how important is that in our diet? If you're going completely away from carbohydrates, you're not getting different types of fibers in your diet. You're not supporting good, good gut health. <laughs> Talk about rabbit holes, gut health. You could go on forever, but it's quite simple. If you're having a wide array of different colored vegetables, you're going to have good, good health in the main. So again, that's a, a great thing that relates to so many areas of health, our cognitive health, our organ health keeps us lean, uh, effects on our kind of immunity. Two thirds of our immune cells are held within our gut and there's lots of signaling molecules that go on and affect kind of our organs, our hormones, whatever it may be. So there's multiple facets that come with having a healthy diet that contains carbohydrate. And, and the weird thing is that uh, I think since, uh, I think we're probably an appropriate age for this in that um, there was a big change in the 70s where low fat, where, where big business got decided that food was where you could make a lot of money. And then they, it, it was similar to uh, with tobacco companies, wasn't it? In that they decided low fat was the way to go. 
and invented loads of synthetic foods that were low in fat and high in other stuff, manufactured carbohydrates usually, which were really tasty. And over the next 20 years, the um, scientists invented the most perfectly um, invented chemical compounds that, that both were delicious, but had really low satiety. So Mm -hmm. you remained hungry while eating this, this perfectly delicious food source like uh, Dunkin' Donuts. The plain Dunkin' Donuts is almost the perfect um, set of molecules that do these things to the brain, to the hormones in the brain, which make you more hungry and make you crave these things. So as humans, we're pursuing these things. We're ba- it's basically a war against big business who have created these wonderful brands and marketing things that do stuff to our brain, but then also the chemicals from the bad chemicals we put in, in, in our bodies all the time, which make our brains and bodies want all these bad foods more and more yeah. and more. And we deep down know that if we eat food that used to be alive at some point, um, that's probably the healthier way to go because, you know, nature, evolution, all that stuff. So, so I, what I think is deep down, most people know this stuff, but your book gives them better tools to understand and make better decisions in the process. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And again, you've summed it up brilliantly there. It's almost a war based on the, the clever. The ba- any company wants us to have more of their product. So they've got very clever scientists in there that are going to take on a number of things that are going to make us crave that food. So it's a war against hunger a little bit. As you mentioned there, it's a war against ingredients that we actually crave. And we're hard- hardwired through our evolution to take on food because we the food used to be scarce. So if we're hardwired to take certain ingredients on that are going to be calorific to us, we needed them back when the food was so scarce, but now food is everywhere. It's super convenient. So they'll put in uh, combinations of refined carbohydrates and fats that you don't really find that much in nature, a little bit in nuts and seeds out there, but you don't really find that combination as much as you find in these manufactured food, high sugar, which again releases dopamine, high salt that releases kind of dopamine, lack of fiber, typically quite low in protein. A lot of the time, kind of natural protein, which gonna help us feel full and hunger that you mentioned before. So we want these foods. They're not making us very hungry. We're surrounded by them. They're just in the cupboard over there in the packaged. And certain ingredients that we're putting in there means that they don't go off. These tend to be kind of our hydrogenated fats, which uh, we're just not evolved to take. They were, they were invented as industrial lubricant is kind of where they came from. But they actually, they're quite palatable when you put them in there and they give the stability of the food, which is good in one way. We do need a stable food supply. We can't have everything that's going off. But we they're very much taking us down that line where through all their promotion, us craving them and the convenience and where it is advertised to us in the supermarkets and coming from everywhere, the Western diet has 70% ultra-processed foods and kids even more so. And we all know I've got kids, that journey of trying to get them away from that because their taste buds have been completely altered by the high sugar, the high salt, um, that 
it nulls down flavors of everything else. So everything else is a bit bland and a bit blur blazy and it's not releasing that dopamine that they're, they're kind of getting from anywhere else. If you go on a kind of a journey from what was a bad diet to a more healthy diet and then you start to taste some of these foods that you used to have before, you're like, Jesus, what is in that? My, my biggest fight, I love hobnobs, was hobnobs. So, like, obviously, he was a student, didn't have the best diet for a long time, just whatever you can afford. And then, obviously, the appreciation of how important it is of working in sport got a much, much better diet. But the first time I went back and had a hobnob, I was like, it sucked me mouth in trying to, and how much salt is in that? Just incredible. But I do like a hobnob, I've got to <laughs> At the end of the day. But yeah, your taste buds will change. And it's a hard journey with kids, with vegetables, salads, whatever it may be. But try and make it a progressive journey that you take them on. You can't take them from a to the, the, where they are to the, a really healthy diet overnight. You have to make let them have the choices, almost sneak them into them a little bit where you can through strong flavours and sauces, so things like stir-fries, uh, casseroles. Um, and that's the same for everybody because you can make healthy food taste incredible by learning a little bit. And it, it's dead easy about herbs, spices. There's not much. You only need to know a few of them. You can buy pre-packaged ones as well. And herbs are incredibly good for us as well. So it's about how do we make these simple foods that are healthy, taste really good at the same time, and do that very simply again. So there's loads of little practical ways to do that in the book. And with kids, again, it's that autonomy with them. So if you are having bits that are like a bit salady or anything, deliver it like a picnic. So they're the ones making the choice rather than it being forced on them. And I'm, I'm saying like, I've got my kids to eat really great. My 16 year old is an absolute bloody nightmare still, but we're trying, we're on that journey and, and everybody's kind of in, in the same boat, but uh, it is a journey with certain tips and perseverance that you can take them down. Yeah, it's, it's what I found. I've got a 17 year old and she's amazing. She she completely remodeled herself maybe four years ago. Um, and she only puts good things in her body now and she trains. And it's, it's, it's just from information that I've been given her her whole life. If you do this, this thing happens. I've never been telling her or my son to do anything in particular. You just give them more information. And it's kind of what your book does. And I, I think it's, is if we can give if we can disseminate science in a very uh, digestible way that gives small pockets small packets of information to people that they're more likely to take bits on board is is i i found in my life my journey of uh, of my job is that research is done on perfection and um it's done on the perfect athlete or it's done on the perfect uh, nutrition model. And so our brains go, well, I can't actually do that. Then I won't bother. And that's not how diets, that's not how nutrition should work. So if you can add one or two good things, your body starts to change in a positive way. And it's just a, it's a matter of, of utilizing the information, your book to, to grab one or two of those things that can suit your lifestyle best but you're, you're grabbing the ones that are appropriate to the goals that you have in mind. Yeah. Nutrition for me is about just being in the right ballpark most of the time. There's no way that you should be living like just right, this is health day in, day out. If you like that, you've got no bandwidth. You've like, if you step away from that, 
for whatever it may be, you might not have, you might be away from home on holiday and you can't act exactly the same. You've no bandwidth to fall out of it. Real life and food is such a joy that if you're doing those things, you can have like loads of fun doing it. You may remain healthy. I'm not far from an angel, but it allows you being in that right place most of the time allows you to have a, a, a good weekend and, and go away from it. And I'll have so I'll have chocolate every single day without doubt. It's just quite fortunate. I like dark chocolate as well. But you need those areas because, like I said, food is an absolute joy. So if you get too rigid in your mindset, your behaviour, whatever it is, it it can lead you down a bad path. And that's why there's been quite a lot of research with people that really focus on food logs and, and doing that and weighing food all the time. A lot of them can end up in a bad place, which uh, is actually less effective than taking this approach of just having a flexible approach where you can cope with different environments, different changing goals, whatever it may be, different jobs, different whatever it is, you, you can apply your life and if you have like a couple of what you call, I don't like the word cheat meals, but it's just an easy message to convey, you know, ones that you're not more healthy. If you've had that for a few times in the day, just make sure your next day's all right. So there's loads of ways of saying it, the 80, 20 rule, whatever it may be. But like I said, just be in the right ballpark most of the time. And even with elite athletes that have to perform, unless you're coming up, for a weight category fight or you're a bodybuilder and something like that. The message is the same for them. Most of the time, just a nicely balanced plate that's got some vegetables, a decent protein sauce on there as well. And then just tweak around that a little bit as you're coming up to performance. And you're not performance. You don't have to be this massive polarization and shifts all the time. Just a general good thing and then little tweaks here and there to try and optimize it. If you're a a goal is super important to you at that time. I love it. It's like uh, to 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 complete the circle of the conversation we've had that that the information in your book allows people to nudge their behaviour, just like you as a performance director going into Sheffield United, seeing everybody has their skill set, and you're just nudging them using the experience of your life into the right direction together. That's mm-hmm. all. And and so just the more you've disseminated the information so that people reading your book and going through the app uh, have have the ability to nudge their behavior in the right way. You don't yeah. have to radically change anything. It's just a little nudge here, nudge back onto the road. And nudge in different facets that all suit your goals. And if you want to lose weight, nudge your nutrition a little bit here and nudge your training a little bit there. And, and then all those things are focusing on the same goal, which make it far more achievable. Brilliant. And your book even gives the training. So so you can train like a, a professional footballer or a watered down version of a professional footballer or probably in our in our experience, mostly the things we'd like American football, uh, American, we'd like professional footballers to have done at some point in their lives would be great. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the focus of the book is for the general public and my editors. I had two brilliant female editors that were just on me saying, you need to make this more appealing to the general public. So all the training covers right from North novice right through to your kind of weekend warriors but in my experience a lot of your weekend warriors their actual behaviors their training their nutrition could actually be better than your uh, professional athletes are out there they're really 
buy into the process and know because they've not been blessed with those genetic skills quite as much they have to really nail down everything else um so I, in my experience i, I find that the, the training and nutrition can go to really high levels in amateur athletes but yeah it's it's trying to make it appealing for things out there so there's there's plans so there's lots of different plans in there that are always had to train in a nutrition plan within it but there's things like more generic so improving your health a weight loss one an increase in muscle uh mass one and then you've got loads of different sports in there that kind of appeal to the masses so there's running, there's triathlon, there's football, or rugby in there as well. So hopefully a little something for everybody, no matter what level you're approaching it at. Exactly. That'll be awesome. Um, while I have you here, that's brilliant on the book. Can I quickly delve into your expertise? Can you give me maybe one tip for uh, an aspiring, maybe just a grassroots footballer nutritionally to optimize their game day? And maybe how about like a teenage tennis player? Like, what can they do to, to improve their performance on the day? Like, it can just be the right amount of water or something. But any, any tip? Overall, because health adds so many facets in terms of your overperformance, it depends on their starting point. But I would prioritise health all the time because that's going to have effects on your energy levels all the time, your mood, your sleep, your inflammation, um, that just that consistency in your performance and, and robustness as well that is super important. When they're coming up to game day, I would just recommend that something like a really, depending on when they're going to play, but a, a good breakfast, something like porridge or overnight oats or pancakes of the like would be a really good choice to set them up pick up their fuel levels that'll have digested into the body by the time that they're coming up to performance, which is typically midday ish for your kind of amateur athletes into the afternoon. They'll be ready to go. They'll feel nice and light. It'll all be digested by then, but they've have had these really tasty and uh, good acting and healthy carbohydrates are going to help fuel the important elements of the performance, the ones that really matter, the ones that rely on power and speed and longevity in their performance as well. Love that. Thomas, thank you very much for your time, dude. My pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for having me on. Great work as always. That's awesome. Uh, is there anywhere people uh, can, I'll put, I'll put these in the show notes anyway, but uh, the best place to contact you the name of your book on Amazon, because anybody can get this at Amazon or any of your favorite uh, bookshops. Um, uh, yeah, where can people hit you up? So the Hero Pro stuff, um, that on um, all the kind of social stuff is at Hero Pro Sports. I'm Tom at Hero Pro Sports uh, for my email. Yeah, Amazon, it's available on there. So if you just look for the Colour Fit Method or any good bookshops are currently stocking it. So hopefully you can grab it from a few areas. Awesome. Dude, really, really appreciate your time and good luck with the book. Legend. Thanks so much, Simon. Take care, pal. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. 
you won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.